You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, the penultimate episode of season four of Nip Tuck. We are almost there. We're on the home straight. I think I say that every episode, but we're, we're even closer to the home straight now. Um, season four, episode 14, Willie Ward first came out in December 2006, um, directed by Michael M. Robin. Um, this is a fun episode. Looking forward to talking all about this one. Um, I'm Nick, and uh, have you ever tried digital oral stimulation? Yes. Uh, and my name <laughs> and my name is Ben, and you are the most beautiful woman I've ever kissed who didn't steal my kidney afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I hear that all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is this is an interesting episode. Um, I'm not sure when you think about this season, this is the one that jumps out at you, but that isn't necessarily saying it's a bad episode. Um, I'm really interested to see where you go with this one, actually. Um, yeah. I mean, what's your big overall takes on on this episode as we get started? Again, it's yeah, it's not the standout episode of the season, but again, it's a very solid episode with some strong points to it that I think makes it, you know, a, a very good episode. I mean, it's. There's really limited parts in this episode that are bad. Um, and I think kind of the way it ends is great. I kind of like the parallels with like Sean feeling in Christian's shadow and kind of the whole dumbiness around that sort of stuff. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gina coming back is fantastic. Um, you know, I love, um, the Kimber stuff kind of. It's just an interesting thing for sort of leading up to her and Matt, what's going to happen with them. Uh, having Matt back is great. You know, I mean, the only really thing to me, uh, that is maybe a bad thing, and I kind of alluded to the last episode, it's just kind of the, the abrupt nature of the way Liz and Poppy ends, um, which is just very random. But, you know, outside of that, I think kind of it's... There's just one such memorable scene in this episode, which, you know, again, I might put in the frame for a top five, which, again, we've got so many strong moments in this season that I don't think is going to make it, but it's just so beautifully acted, so great, and just a great sort of, you know, shocking end to what's happening with, you know, a big storyline this episode, which then leads to an even bigger shock, sort of, as a twist at the end, which, uh, you know, I can't wait to discuss. But, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great episode still. I, I still really enjoy this episode. Yeah, I think there's um, definitely heaps to talk about. So um, let's let's not labour the point. Let's move straight into it. So we we open up here with Christian and Michelle at the park with Wilbur, um, and Christian makes the approach to Michelle to be his his legal mother, um, and she's a bit taken aback by the whole thing, as as you might well be. Um, and yeah, she says she needs to think on it, which you know is good on her. Um, and you know, off staring in the background as we talked a little bit at the end of the last episode about this, but. Know, James is in the background saying she think you know, on the phone saying she thinks she's got two children's kidneys and how much will they fetch? Um, so you know, basically, you know, we talked last time is that potentially last last episode was her first official murder, a direct murder, and now she's planning a second one because no child can live without two. Well, nobody can live without two kidneys, so she's effectively and yeah, that's a funny thing too. Is like, why does she signal out the kidneys if she's going to kill them? And she's got a whole body worth of stuff, but that's probably a bit of a a sick thing to be thinking about. Anyway, over to you before I... <laughs> You're trying to say something here, Nick, about your child-murdering ways. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a creepy sort of ending to the scene, isn't it? Like, you know, it's kind of a nice little moment to, to hear about this whole, like, you know, she thinks she's got to think about adopting him and all this sort of stuff, but then kind of just to see James kind of looking on, because, you know, she really is getting desperate at this point. So... Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's a nice little way to start the scene, uh, the episode I should say. But then kind of it's just it's creepy the way kind of you've got you know James looking on this way. But I mean I, I love all the James stuff in this episode the way it kind of comes to a point. So um, yeah, it's it's sort of an interesting setup for the episode. Mm, yeah, 
Yeah, and uh, so you know we we come out of the credits and um, we're with uh, Miss Hudson. Um, so she's she's flirting with Christian. Um, you know, wants to get her boobs done, and um, you know, um, Sean's not very happy about this. He, you know, he's we're having this moment here where, where Sean is. Uh, you know, starting to get a little bit unhappy about the whole thing and, and feeling jealous and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I do like this kind of flirtatious behaviour that's happening between Christian and, and this character. It's just kind of a throwaway character, but, yeah, it is quite fun here. I do enjoy it. I always, like, think, is this person meant to be someone? Because the way she's kind of like, oh, I thought I'd come here and see what all the fuss is about and I'm here doing this, I'm here doing that. Like, I just looked her up to see, like, is this some sort of celebrity that we're meant to know who they are? But there's no inclination that this is anybody just I don't know maybe it's just the way I kind of read into it the way they're kind of commenting on each other and stuff like that so um, yeah but I mean she's just an absolute throwaway character absolute throwaway so it's kind of um, you know what what's the point of this but I mean again it's this all leading through just with um, you know Sean's feelings over Christian and sort of you know just not feeling good enough and stuff like that so yeah yeah and we get this whole thing that you know Christian points out that he's no longer an eligible bachelor because he was, you know, on the list. And it's quite interesting. We get uh, like a large portion of this conversation is happening without, you know, Christian's talking, but you're actually just seeing Sean's reaction to it and these kind of close-ups on Sean, which is quite interesting. I'm, I'm not entirely sure where this has come from. Um, you know, I know Sean's obviously feeling like his 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 life's going off track while Christian's is going on track, but it does kind of feel like quite a sudden. Just you know, we're suddenly going into this territory where. Sean's all of a sudden really jealous, which is you know like I understand that him feeling bad or whatever, but the jealousy's kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere a little bit. Yeah, I I see that, and I think kind of you know it, it it's ultimately not the first time Sean's felt this way, but um, I mean it's I think kind of just the way it leads up to it is just you know done in the way that obviously things are going so well for Christian and things are falling apart for Sean. I mean, it's, again, not the first time we're seeing that, isn't it? Like, you know, we obviously had that happening, uh, you know, last season. But, I mean, just ultimately what this is going to lead to with them. So I think kind of it's... it's Yeah, it's sudden, but I also think it works weirdly in a way because it has more of an overall effect on this show and of this pairing as opposed to what happened last season, which was, yeah, okay, the first time we'd seen it, but it was just such a throwaway point of it happening. Because, you know, it was the will they won't, they were Julian and Sean, and, oh, look, they're back together, oh, there's a baby involved, all oh, this, all oh, that, everything else. So I just think that um, the randomness aside, I still think it kind of it weirdly works. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, it just felt a little bit of a, a kind of out of nowhere. But um, talking about out of nowhere, yeah, so Sean goes in and, and he wants to push in on, on Christian doing the surgery, but uh, Nurse Linda comes in. How did Sean forget that he had, unless this guy was a walk-in, you know that this guy had a um, a, a console. It just seems really strange. That, like Sean's like, "Oh, I'm going to come in and help." Um, you've actually got a a, a client. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit weird. But I, I do like that they give Linda a line about you know you better bring milk in bowl because he's cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Which is yeah. <laughs> Linda's getting more lines all of a sudden. They seem to be more freewheeling yeah, with Linda's lines. I love it. And they probably shouldn't because she's not very good at delivering them, but that's okay. It's, it's a pretty throwaway little line, so you know I'm not going to get too too caught up in it. But anyway, we move on to Willie Ward, who is a oh, I'm, I'm never good at pronouncing this a tran- tranquilisus Ven- tran- ventriloquist um, vent- ventriloquist. That's it. Yeah, I'm just I'm terrible at pronouncing it. I just for some reason I can't get it out, which I was like, oh, I've got to talk about this, and I can never say the word. Um, yeah, but anyway, um, so yeah, he's got this dummy on the end of his arm, and um, the dummy's doing all the talking and 
yeah, it's pretty weird. I mean, there's, there's really no way around it. It's meant to be weird, and it's effective. It is very weird. It's kind of, I mean, I don't say cliche, but generally whenever you've got a storyline with, like, a dummy in a ventriloquist, there's always kind of this sort of thing alluded to, isn't there, about, um, you know, them, like, being one and the other and sort of things like that, and they can't separate it. But um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny. and Well, not funny, but just, you know, the way he obviously ultimately wants to look younger and kind of do all this sort of stuff. And um, I love the way Sean's pulled it out of this when they're playing the song, uh, right on the beautiful balloon song or whatever it is, when the surgery scene's doing on the boobs. Just wanted to backtrack there. But I, one of my favourite bits, I absolutely love the bit, where um, Sean has the vision of Christian on his oh, knee as the dummy. That's so, yeah. so funny. Um, I could just imagine that would have been such a fun scene to act for both Dylan Walsh and Julian yeah. Lamar. But, um, God, that scene is great. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting that, you know, Sean kind of makes his mind up on himself. Like, you know, where's the back and forth here between him and Christian about deciding whether or not this is a good thing or not? Um, but yeah, it's weirdly like it's a fact. It's, it's weird, like you, there's absolutely weird. But again, this is something you legitimately think has probably happened in real life. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I I randomly like Willie Ward. He's just to me one of these one one timers. It's really good. And the guy who plays him, which I'm like looking up here, he hasn't really been in anything else. He's kind of an unknown. Um, I I really like him. I think just it's just a nice little thing. So yeah. Well, he probably is a you know a ventriloquist um, you know, professionally because he, you know I, I can't imagine that they would need somebody that was actually good at this to kind of come in and do this role. Um, yeah, and I I think that it, it, he is he he looks like he's pretty good at this job. And you know I, I guess my my kind of history watching this stuff before is that it's never been a dummy that looks like the person. It's always been like I think of what's his name Stressman or whatever he's called, and he's got mm-hmm. the Chucky and Teddy Bear and. You know, so it, it, it's not really that this person, and I guess that, that the more traditional thing is that it is just a smaller version of the, that person. So, you know, these two are dressed the same, and you know, the whole thing here is that Willie feels like he's he's getting old and he needs a facelift, so he looks more like the dummy again. And I love the scene where he's like, "I oh, won't you just get a new dummy," and like, <laughs> kind of like the dummy launches it short. It's, yeah. it's really fun little scene there um, yeah it, it is it's, it's, it's very strange this whole thing it's, it, it, I just find it quite hard to get my head around the whole thing it's um, yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just one of these quirky things, though, that just kind of, it's nip-tuck, like, you know, and we're gonna get some weirder ones moving forward, so, um, but yeah. it's still well, kind of... Is real, it is a real nip-tuck story, this one, isn't it? Like, it is the kind of thing you would expect to see on the show. It, it doesn't feel out of place. And that's that. what I love about this episode, is that there's so much of this episode that, I think, as we keep saying, it's not the groundbreaking episode. It's not one you're going to remember, say, compared to Reefer last week. But there's just so many elements of this episode, which is just... You could show this to a person and be like, well, that's very nip-tuck. Like, that's that's, yeah. that's what the show's about. It's a bit quirky. It's a bit weird. It's a bit strange. It's, it's funny. It's serious. It's, you know, got some great drama and, you know, great twists in it. So, I just think that this episode is just a kind of a very complete episode of nip-tuck as an overall experience of what you expect from this show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, so, well, I mean, we're going to get back to Willie. He's, he's definitely one of these characters who's quite central to the episode. Often you get these these ones who, who lend their name to the title of the episode and then they're only there for, you know, two minutes, whereas he's quite central to this episode, so that's quite cool. Um, yeah, and then we move over and, and Kimber's getting sex advice from you know, the Church of Scientology, which is which is quite weird. And I do love this kind of, again, like you say, a very nip-tuck type of thing here where she's seeing visions of herself and lingerie and 
Um, it's well delivered, eh? It's, I wonder if they just did like all these scenes of Kimber and Lingerie in one day, you know, because she was a couple of couple of episodes ago. It was her at Christian's house, and now here she has again in the lingerie. And yeah, it's it's, it's funny that there's quite a lot of these visions of Kimber and Lingerie during this whole this whole season. Yeah, which we're not complaining about, of course. But um, no, definitely not. Yeah, I, I really do love these sort of back and forth scenes, and they have the visions, and just I love this random bit where they're kind of you know, back and forth, and then there's Kimber in a lingerie with, what, Xenu. Um, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> like, and the way she's, like, the vision of Kimber's like, oh, it kind of looks like that guy we first had sex with in our very first film. Um, and then just as kind of, uh, as what's-her-name is leaving, and the way she's kind of like, tell me more about Xenu. And it's like, oh, we don't really talk about Xenu. You've got to be an OT7 or higher. Um, so it's just... Oh, uh, it's just funny. And, like, I think you said last episode, we, it's been a while since we've kind of had some of this um, Scientology stuff. But it's just, it's, it's interesting, because, I mean, like, I don't doubt this is all legitimate stuff that they, you know, believe in and stuff. I know the Xenu stuff's kind of what they believe in, but... Um, yeah, it's it's crazy, but um, you know, it's just it's just fun scene. And again, Kelly Carlson just I just always baffles me that this woman a is not really doing anything since, and b was a, not an actor before she was on this show. So you just can't tell. She's just so she's such a natural at what she she does at playing this character. Yeah, she really does own this character. It's hard to think of anybody else doing this character now. You know, like she's so good at it, and you know, like and it's. I think it probably started off as nothing more than kind of a guest role and she's kind of really made it such an an integral part of the show that she keeps showing up in it, which is great. You know, it is really cool when you kind of see that kind of thing happen. Um, You know, and you see that in other shows, it's it's definitely something that, you know, these characters are supposed to come in and die or disappear at a certain point and then they end up being so good that they they write them to be, be a continuing character and that's certainly something that you can see maybe was happening with Kimber here. Oh, for sure. And I think it was, I think it was confirmed. I think on that round table with Ryan Murphy that I keep alluding to all the bloody time. Um, which is, again, is very relevant for people, uh, at the end of season four because it kind of was done at the end of season four. Um, and I'm pretty sure Ryan Murphy discusses how Kimber was not meant to be a, a permanent character. She was only meant to be a one-time character. So, um, yeah, obviously with so many of them in TV, kind of that just, it's how it is, isn't it? Like they get brought in and, before you know it, they become part of the furniture. So, um, yeah, just so good, and just again, I think I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else besides Nip Tuck. So it's just it just baffles me that she's just done nothing really of note, uh, considering what she looks like and how good of an actor she is. Yeah, yeah, it is it is very strange. It's that kind of Nip Tuck curse as we talk about. Um, yeah, so we we move along into a scene with um, Christian, you know, and he, he he comes up to Michelle and he's wearing a great purple shirt, I must say, um, <laughs> and, and he's he's got this um, this picture that Wilbur's drawn of them, the three of them as a family, and you know Michelle's going to get it framed. And it's a nice little moment, and then <laughs> Christian walks into his office and uh, Gina's in there, and uh, you know she wants to wants to see Wilbur. And it's not hello asshole, it's uh hello Christian, I'm here on business. Um and it's always kind of that chair turn, isn't it? Um and I, I love the line there when she's like, Oh, I tried to find out where you'd move to but your doorman wouldn't give me an address and Christian, I've always liked that guy. Um and then, you know, just random little mentions to the spa, your favourite storyline, and it's kind of like, Oh, I made a good nest egg from that. Um, you know, I've gone back into this, I've gone that. Um and it's just 
the thing that I find with, like, you know, love Gina, absolutely love her, love Jessalyn Gilsig, you know, she's just one of my favourite characters on this show, but you kind of always know how it's going to play out with her, though, like, it always starts off with, I'm, oh, I'm better now, like, I'm fine now, uh, and then ultimately, it's, you know, she's going to have a breakdown at some point and go crazy. Um, so that's my only thing about it. It's kind of like it's, it just gets on the nose slightly, but at the same time, it's Gina. You know, she's great. And when you, you want to see her, like, throw food over Michelle and, you know, lose a shit and stuff like that, you know. So, um, yeah, and I believe this is her only appearance this entire season. So, um, you know, we've, we've got to have our, we've got to have our Gina fix at some point, and, uh, this is it. Yeah, and I, I think it is, it's just enough, Gina, for me. I, you know, I know you like her and, I like her to a degree, but um, I don't need to see too much of her. Um, and I think it is just enough, and it's a good time to have her back. You know, as Wilbur comes back into the story, you do want to see, you, you know, you want to see her character there. It would be wrong if you didn't have that story as part of the kind of Wilbur's back on the scene story. So yeah, kind of. Kind two of more episodes to interrupt you. She's only going to be in two more episodes of this show moving forward, uh, and they're both going to be in next season. So, uh, spoiler yeah. alert, yeah. post-season five, Gina's gone. So, um, yeah, just uh, interesting to think that we've only got two more Gina episodes to go. Yes, and quite an ending it is as well. But mm-hmm. uh, we will get... Um, yeah, so then we go into the, the Willie um, pre, pre-surgery, and he's kind of he's never spent more than 20 minutes at a time without, without uh, Ralphie on his arm. And you know, saying that one one arm's paler than the other, which is quite a funny way of looking at it, really. Um, yeah, it's again. I just I can't get past the weirdness of this whole thing. I do find it really hard to kind of you know, like it's you know, so you don't sleep with that thing, do you? He's like, no, no, I'm not a weirdo, but he sleeps in the bed next to me. It's just like, <laughs> it is. It's just it's so strange. And it's like, oh, is he going to be safe in your office? And yeah, it is. It's you can kind of see a little bit of self-awareness from this guy that he understands that he's weird and people view him as weird but yeah I also yeah it is it's a hard one for me to kind of get past really um but yeah and then we kind of go into the surgery scene and um what's the sign it's like I'm your puppet or something that's you know it's quite quite on the nose um this this song and um you know I I prefer it when the song choice isn't quite so obvious but um it is you kind of you have to kind of laugh don't you really I'm Your Puppet by James and Bobby uh, Perfy. Perfy, I can never say that name. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's on the nose, but in a way, it also kind of works. I just love the way that it's like you've got that weird editing with, like, the the bell sound that you've got going um, as it is kind of just the quick little flashes and cuts between scenes as they go through with the music. It's just kind of, like, clever. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely on the nose, but it also kind of works weirdly well. But, um... I, I do like, you know, the fact that he's kind of a bit self-referential later on when he's talking about himself and that he, he knows, you know, this is a projection and blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, that's an interesting, I guess, psychology take for people who do ventricle- ventriloquism. Um, but it just, I mean... It, it, You've this, got my disease now. You can't, yeah, no, you can't I know. This is me, Nick. Come on. I, when have I ever pronounced words correctly? Um, but I just... Like, this is the only thing about this episode, just the, the sudden ending of, you know, Poppy and Liz. Not that this, you know, relationship ever took us by storm, um, but, I mean, I would have just loved to have seen more of this because I just think Alanis Morissette's great and it's kind of an interesting dynamic between these two. But, like, at the end of the day, what did we what did we see between these two? She forced Liz into getting surgery. The next minute, you know, she's got a friend who got burnt, so Sean becomes Santa, and all of a sudden, you know, Liz stands up to her and then that's it. Thanks, Alanis Morissette. You know, isn't it ironic that you're gone? I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's just... Yeah, it's almost like she had a contract for three episodes. Oh, yeah. And they just... They didn't really think about how they were going to actually make that story work. I, I do really like the end of it, though, where Liz is kind of like, Sean, take my hand. Yeah, like, oh, why? yeah. 
I'm going to chase her. I'm going to follow her if you don't. And but it's, I think it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah, and it's fascinating, though, that, like, as someone of her star nature, and we kind of went over this with this season, how this was the season where we really started to pull out the big stars. But, like, it really isn't done in a way where it steals away from it. Like, you know, Rosie O'Donnell, she's the centre of attention in her episode. You know, Brooke Shields kind of had one episode where she had that level of it. You know, Kathleen Turner, you know, people like that when we had them on, on board. You know, it was it was, it was was all about them. You know, Larry Hagman, you know, it was all about them for, for a lot of that. And it wasn't a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But, you know, their star nature, you expect them, if they're being a guest star, they're going to want a lot of attention. But, like, for a lot of more set, like, I mean, you know, it's it's almost a, a forgetting, forgotten thing that she was in Nip and you know maybe she wasn't as big in 2006 as she was in 1996 but she's still a recognizable household name so it's kind of it's it's interesting that she was such a side character and then kind of her conclusion is just basically like hey cool leaving now bye thanks um so yeah um but also just one thing i like i like about this whole section is that we go off about how they're so blase about i'll oh, just walk in the surgery sanitizing you know who cares they kind of have to put a throwaway line in there when she's like it's okay sean i'm not in the sanitary zone or whatever it is and it's like now you are <laughs> yeah but it's okay like the, the mcnamara troy reception staff at, at it again yeah um you know make sure people don't just wander into the middle of surgery so yeah good good work there guys um and I do like the thing that I, I do have to ask Ben if you miss a shower for a week do you still smell like lilacs um, I never miss a shower for a week uh, Nick currently in my oh, living situation yeah. I don't go with a shower without every hour because I'm sweating that much so um, <laughs> the answer to your question is I don't know right okay good good um, yes anyway we move on and Michelle comes uh, comes oh, she, has, she has been home but she comes in the, in the room and, and James is in there with Wilbur and it's a very kind of threatening scene, you know, Michelle's freaking out. Um, you know, James is the kind of ultimate, you know, just freak you out with, with words and threats. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, and, and just everything about James in this episode I love. And I just, I love her kind of, again, like we mentioned in the last episode, just the, the calm sort of way she goes about things. And she's talking about how, uh, what the housekeeper let her in. And then she's like, you should fire the fat slug. I asked for an iced tea 20 minutes ago. <laughs> just like the way it is and just the back and forth there you know when she's just basically threatening Michelle Michelle again standing up to her and you know she's basically just like I'll kill you like just you know don't do this um, but yeah just that overall threatening nature of her it's great and again props to Sandra Lathan as well just her, her facial acting and just the way she's kind of scared and nervous it just it sells it so well and you've got that great sort of tense music in the background there's this really you know again going back to my point about this episode really being kind of a complete episode of Nip Tuck with so many elements of the show it's, it's great that you know you've got these really tense sort of dramatic scenes thrown in there as well yeah and I think you know, to me, you know, James has been a real kind of star of this whole season. You know, I think um, Jacqueline Bissett's done an awesome job with this character. And um, apart from the thing of I don't really like that she's got these these bosses. You know, I, re- I really wish she was the big boss because I think that would have been more fun. Um, but yeah, I do I do really kind of just I love her character. She's just you know menacing and threatening and. Um, yeah, it's just it's really good. I go back to that scene, you know, where she picks up the the big paperweight or whatever it is and just smashes the shit out of that that girl's nose so that she needs surgery. It's like, yeah, she's just a you know she's a stone cold bitch and it, it just really really works for me. Mm, and she just has that ultimate way of like deceiving people and making them believe that she's sympathetic and everything on those lines. But I mean, we'll probably get to it at the end of the episode. I'm probably the opposite. I love the fact that she kind of is some she's under somebody. 
um, and then we find out who she's under. Like, I just, I just yeah. love that reveal because, like, again, it's just such a subtle callback to that very first season when we kind of get a reference to, you know, oh, we're going to start stealing organs now. There's more money in that. Um, so it's just kind of just the way it kind of bookends it and everything that. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. And then we <laughs> move into the scene where you know Matt's come to see see Christian, but he's not there, and so has a kind of sex talk about Kimber with um with Sean, and and Sean starts off in, in typical Sean fashion, you know, like which was my line at the start, you know, about you know <laughs> just it's just so dry the way he kind of comes across and. And, uh, you know, Matt's kind of like, oh, God, this is why I don't want to talk to you. And so, you know, Sean breaks it out and he's going on about, you know, she's going to want you to give it to her and in the rear. And <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, it's it's so good. And it's like, you just leave her screaming for more. And um, it, it was so, it's so funny. I really enjoy it, though. I love the bit when, like, you know, he's going into all that detail and just a look on Matt's face. And then Matt's like, God, you know, uh, if you gave that to Kimber, I can't imagine what Christian did to her. Um, so it's just like, poor Sean, he's finally, like, grown up and said all this sort of stuff. And then it's kind of like, well, but Christian would have done better. So it's kind of, yeah. But, like, I mean, can we, can we just be honest about something here, Nick? I don't know what your relationship is like with, you know, your dad and things like that. But are you ever going to go to him for, I'm never going to go for my dad for advice like this. Like, no. I guess Christian's a special case, you know, like it's, yeah. um, and, and you know, that they've kind of had that, like, like I remember going back to that scene where, you know, Matt's asking before he knows that Christian's his dad, obviously, but you know, going back and asking for advice on a threesome, um, you know, so I, I do remember that. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a bit of a weird situation. So I do buy it in this situation, but yes, you're, you're right. It isn't, it's not normal. No, no. But I mean, look, if you've got that relationship with your dad, fair enough. I mean, I've met brothers and sisters who share a lot. And yes, okay, I'm from Tasmania, so that's probably not, um, you know, to be un- unusual or anything. But I don't know, like, we've all got our own relationships with our family and our, you know, siblings that to me just, this is not a conversation that I'm going to be having with any of my direct family anytime soon. So, yeah. Yes, yes. It's it's certainly weird. But, uh, no, I, I do really enjoy it. We kind of then move on to the scene in the, the restaurant where Michelle's officially signing, you know, that she's going to be his, his legal, uh, Wilbur's legal guardian. And I do love this whole thing. Like, Wilbur's not even in, like, a push chair, like, a, sorry, a high chair. He's kind of just in a normal chair. And it, just, it looks a bit weird. Um, he's kind of just, like, sitting in his normal chair. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's all, all good. And then, obviously, Gina comes in and, and makes a big scene. Um, yeah, it's it's, a, it's very good, typical Gina, isn't it? It's it's well done. I love it. I just, just going back to what I was saying about, you know, yeah, you kind of get the same old, same old Gina, but it's just, just the way she does it and just, you know, just throws the food and she's like, touch me again, you wear your dessert. Uh, and just the way everyone's staring. But I, I love the way the kind of Michelle holds her own, you know, and just basically the, the maitre d' or whatever it is comes in. It's like, should I call the police? And she's like, yes, call the police. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, 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 sort of sad in a way that obviously Christian has said no to visitation but at the same time like well this is the reason why he's saying no for her having visitation so um, yeah I mean it's a great scene and you know just very well acted as well yeah and I mean it's always you know like I think it's good to have Gina kind of back um, yeah I, I think it's this is kind of the appropriate behaviour you'd expect for her so yeah I think it definitely is a scene that works really well uh, and then we <laughs> move into seeing you know, Kimba gets home and uh, Matt's setting up so that they can make a porno. It's um, this is this is kind of like just a really funny little scene, really like the whole thing from her kind of walking into meeting the old direct, you know, the old gang, the old porn making gang, 
Um, and you know, I'm not sure that uh, without too many spoilers, I'm not sure that that Matt's a a natural porn actor at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's <laughs> it, you know, like he just comes across as incredibly cheesy, which I guess is kind of the point. But yeah, it, <laughs> I'm not sure where are you where are you ranking Matt's kind of porno making skills at this point. Well, I mean, do you really need much skills to be a porno actor? I mean, as long as you've got the goods in certain areas. I mean, I, I don't know how much porn you have watched, Nick, but I've never exactly gone fuck. They just like Meryl Streep. What an actor, you know. I mean, it's kind of this is generally what as good as it gets. Um, but yeah, I just think it's funny. Like it's uh, good on Matt for kind of coming up with this idea for it, and you know, ultimately might lead to some uh, porn work for Matt in the future. Who knows? Stay tuned. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's kind of a nice scene because you know, really with kind of Kimber and Matt. Besides, um, you know, a bit, obviously, when they were flirting at the beginning of the season when they had the gym membership, you know, I mean, what else really have we had? They've all of a sudden married, she's pregnant, and then boom, here we are. A lot of stuff's happened sort of off camera and behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a nice little moment, kind of the way they do it. And I, I kind of, you know, I'm jumping ahead here, but I like the bit when Kim's sort of on the table and they've got that sort of, you know, the way they're kind of flirting off each other and that. I really wish we had have asked uh, John Hensley about, uh, you know, pretending to be a porn actor. Um, you know, I mean, I know we kind of alluded to in season five, but, uh, you know, what did it take filming those scenes with Kelly Carlson pretending to make porn? Uh, yeah, John, yeah. like, how was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, no, it's, it's all, it's all pretty good. I, I love the bit where he kind of like pulls out the thermometer and like kisses it before he puts it in. It's just like these weird little strokes, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite. Don't quite block weird. the money <laughs> shot! <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that's the golden rule of porn, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes, but no, it's good. And then we kind of move into the the Willie Ward, um, the the pre surgery scene, and and you know, like there's some some really funny little things here and some cool little lines. But basically, you know, we get the whole thing of, um, you know, he's really happy with it, and then gets Ralphie out, and and basically uses Ralphie to say that. You know, he's not happy, as you know, it's kind of the subtext here is that he, he doesn't want to say it himself, but he's quite happy to say it through the puppet that um, he's not very happy with Sean's work and that, you know, that he, that he butchered him more or less. Um, and I just, there's just some weird little touches here, like some odd lines, like the one where he says, something about, I didn't know how thirsty I was until he gave me a drink. It's, just, it's a weird way of phrasing that. I don't, I don't know why. Just, yeah, it's, it's a funny one to me. Um, and, you know, just the, the weird thing about, like, Ralphie is already dressed in, like, you know, the yes, I saw that. It's like, um, what's he in a robe for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I do like the whole thing of like they make like he he can make him sound like he's in a in a yeah. box, and then uh, like it's yeah, it's all quite quite an odd little scene. Yeah, I mean it's odd, but it kind of just fits in with it all the whole way, doesn't it? I love you know Sean. They're like, Mister Water, it's a puppet. Put it down. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of how, I guess... I mean, you're always expecting there to be some sort of twist, I guess, aren't you, with all these sort of storylines and everything, but... Yeah, I, I just couldn't get over the fact that he pulls him out of the cupboard and he's in, like, a little dressing gown. It's like, what the... Like, do they custom make that at McNamara Troy? Like, shit, better get a dressing gown made for little Ralphie! Uh, <laughs> like, I suppose they have them for kids, maybe? I don't know. It's, it's a bloody little weird. kid? Like, what little kid that age is getting <laughs> plastic surgery? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes, I was trying to justify it, but no, no. I just, yeah. I mean, it's it's a fun little thing, like for him to come out that way. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these things though that I think kind of with the makeup, at least that you know we've often talked about how pre-surgery they will make them look worse than they ultimately will turn out. Um, so like this post-surgery bit with him, he's you know he looks like he's improved, if you know what I mean. Like he looks better. I don't necessarily think he looks like the puppet. 
I mean, it kind of does, but I mean, it's still, you know, not a spitting image, so... Eh. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of... You know, I guess a lot of people are quite shocked when this, when they first get surgery of how how brutalised they look afterwards. Because, you know, they've talked about this before. It's been like... It's like being hit by a truck, really, when you first get it done. Um, you know, and then you, you start to feel better later on. But, I want to interrupt um, you just yeah. to say quickly that Ron Lucas actually is a ventriloquist. I'm looking here yeah, thought, on his Wikipedia yeah, he page. He's uh, a, an American ventriloquist and stand-up comedian. Yeah, I thought he had to be. I just, yeah, it was... He is he is really good at that part of it, about, you know, like, you can't tell he's speaking. You know, so that's that's all really very well done. Um, so, yeah, no complaints from me about that particular part of it. Um, yeah, and, I mean, he kind of has a bit of a breakdown here afterwards and you know it's it's yeah it's quite sad really um yeah i'm not sure if you've got anything more to kind of add about willie he's not somebody i think we come back to throughout this episode this is no. kind of it uh, yeah i mean so it's it's one of those ones that it's yeah it's, it's kind of there for one episode i'm not sure it adds anything but it's also not bad either you know like it's not like i'm like oh god why are we coming back to this character it's quite an interesting character so i'm happy to be there but i also don't think it it really kind of moves us anywhere or there's a really compelling story no but i mean it's still yeah obviously the whole puppet sort of connections there with sean and ultimately alludes to him about what is going to happen in this episode with him you know attempting to leave again but um I mean, it's still a memorable one, you know what I mean? It's it's not up there as maybe top ten memorable ones, but it's still, it's, it's easily not the worst either, so it's like a middle-of-the-range yeah. one to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so then we kind of, we're, we're back at the park with um, Michelle and, and Christian. They're getting um, good use out of their, their council rates here using the park again. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so they're back um, pushing Wilbur on the swing and, and you know, they kind of have this momentary for, for various reasons that they end up, um, kind of leaving him and Michelle leaves him with this girl you know and they take literally kind of like four or five steps away I'm not talking like they they leave the park or anything um, but they turn around and um, you know um, well yes yeah, so, sorry I should take a little bit of a step back that Christian thinks he sees Gina and it, it's actually not Gina it's something it just looks like her like really like her yeah I know it really um, looks like her Jesus Christ I had a double take thing that's Jessalyn no it's not okay never mind yeah yeah and you know so then um, you know, Michelle kind of follows Christian over so yeah they're literally like you know less than 10 metres away from where Wilbur is and you know, turn their back on him for one minute and he's gone and you know so Christian obviously is thinking that it's Gina whereas Michelle's probably got reason to think that it might be James who's got him um, so she kind of freaks out a hell of a lot more than he does and kind of in some of these scenes that follow you know he's actually quite calm because I think he, he realises that you know if it is Gina then she's just a bit of a crackpot and she'll come round whereas Michelle's got reason to believe that this could be a lot more sinister so she's kind of a lot more on edge than, than he is I guess yeah uh, which is kind of interesting when we get to that scene you know shortly with it but um, I always forget I kind of always assume in this scene that uh, Jean is innocent but obviously she's not but um, yeah yes. that, that well, woman on the park bench Jesus Christ she looks like her yeah, yeah, and and you're right there. It is, it is kind of really well played that you you we all kind of assume that it's James and, and ends up not being, which is is really good. And you were going to get to um you know a, a really good scene in a minute, but um first we get <laughs> Matt and Kimber messing around and and I thought this was like another another porn. You know, we're we're into a second porn movie that these guys are making now, and then you kind of get the zoom out and they're actually in the the Scientologist doctors. Um, <laughs> 
you know his his room and he's not there which is a bit strange and normally the doctor brings you into the room but anyway um yeah and so he has this you know serious discussion with them about making porn that it's been leaked and you know that that's bad for the baby and the baby can um interpret violent sex as being almost like abortion it's like well okay this is uh this is some pretty crazy territory here well this is a religion where you're not meant to yeah make any noises during birth so yes. um you know it's yeah but I just, I love, just, how far were Kimber and Matt going to go here? Like, if the Doctor didn't walk in? And is it kind of creepy that uh, Kimber's referring to Matt, like, role-playing as Dr. Schwartz? Like, does she actually want to bone Dr. Schwartz? Like, um, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, I love that, like, scene when Matt kind of comes up between her legs with that thing on his face. And then the way he walks in, what does he say? Like, oh, you need to remove that from your head or something like that. But, um... Yeah, yeah. yeah but, I mean, so I like... Like getting found out, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But I, I do like the conflict, like that Kimber has about kind of like you know this promiscuous lifestyle and the church, obviously that she believes in, and you know, I mean, the way that Kimber's sort of lifestyle was beforehand. Obviously, this is what the whole point of this storyline is. She's missing, you know, the pleasure of sex. You know, when she's like earlier on, like oh Matt, and, Matt and I, the sex is boring. You know, like I mean, Kimber is someone who obviously is used to it in a certain way so like you know it's and it's not trying to imply that she's anything that's just how she is so i kind of i like this sort of conflict that she has about you know being herself and what she's used to being and obviously believing in this church so um yeah it's 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 kind of an interesting storyline and could just think that kimber's kind of got these you know conflicts building within her again yeah 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 totally and um it's definitely a big part of who she is so it is a big deal and we probably did um, gloss over that a little bit earlier in the episode because we were too excited talking about the Xenu puppet but yeah <laughs> anyway yeah so we, we then move on and yes yeah, so I kind of jumped ahead a little bit here but we've got this phone this um, scene where um, uh, Michelle's at home and, and Christian's not and um, you know they're kind of talking about about where Wilbur is and, and Christian's incredibly calm you know probably because he doesn't really think that um that Jean is much of a threat, whereas Michelle, yeah, as I just said, has got a bit more reason to believe that it might be James who's got um, got Wilbur. But uh, soon we we you know they hang up the call and and um, in walks James in this trench coat, um, holding a gun, and um, we get quite a lot of backstory about about uh, James. And you know she had a son who had kidney failure and he died, and um, yeah, it's it's quite a lot of um, very interesting, you know information that kind of explains James a little bit more to a degree. I don't think, you know, going around killing people can ever really be explained, but, um, you know, we get some interesting backstory here. And um, ultimately she turns the gun on herself and kills herself, which is the, you know, the end of the scene, the end of the storyline. And it's quite a brutal way for this to end. And um, before I kind of turn it over to you to kind of talk about this, I think um, one of the things that I really like about this scene is potentially one of the best scenes in the entire series that doesn't feature either Sean or Christian. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely agree with it. And this is, you know, to me, a potential, you know, could be a top five nominee. I just, there's nothing about this scene that is just wrong at all. I mean, Sarnalath and Jacqueline Bissett just own this scene. And it really just like, just the subtle nature of the way kind of like Jacqueline Bissett is like panicking. Ah, uh, sorry. Uh, Sarnalath is panicking when she obviously thinks she's going to get shot. And I think kind of for the most part, you sort of think that she's gonna get shot because at the end of the day like she's never credited as a main cast member is christian really going to settle down with her you know there's kind of all these things to do with it where you're kind of like yeah like there is so much happening here that would ultimately lead to her potentially being killed off 
So, um, you know, it is kind of just shocking the way she shoots herself ultimately at the end. And just the, the way, like, there's that scene where you kind of see her laying on the ground and she's kind of got that little twitch that you see in her fingers. Like, like it's just kind of, just the way it's, it's nerving watching it, just like kind of seeing it. Um, and how Jacqueline Bissett didn't get nominated, or even Sarah Lathan, because if, again, she's not credited as a main cast on this, so she should, both of them really could be, you know, in line here for a, you know, best guest star on a, on a drama Emmy and they just never got nominated. It baffles me. Um, but just, yeah, I agree with you. This is easily one of, if not the best scene, not involving any of our main characters at all. It's just, it's just, it's brilliant. It's brutal. It's shocking. And it's just kind of, just not what I think anyone's expecting the way it is going to play out. So, um, definitely a nominee for me for one of the best scenes of the entire season for sure. Yeah. And I think probably as well as it's, um, the tension is just really, really intense. You know, like it's, the tension is intense. But you know what I mean? It's, you know, like it's a really, really tense scene. Um, and you, you are on the edge of your seat wondering what's going to happen here um, and ultimately it, it is, it's rewarding because you know that tension is cut in a really really I don't know if satisfying is the right way but you know in a big way that really is a, is a meaningful moment for the show um, and you know like you do really kind of get that and you know I, I think I've been banging the drum a little bit that I wish you'd been the big bad rather than this intermediary character but the payoff is that you know the pressure becomes so much through that she has to end up killing herself and that's pretty good payoff for somebody who's, you know, the people above her have put so much pressure on her that she just sees no way out, so she ends up killing herself. That, that's a pretty intense way to kind of end this whole story arc, for for her at least. So it's, I think the payoff's good. It's, you know, sometimes you get these characters and you kind of feel like they go nowhere. And, you know, I, I was pretty vocal last time about, I, I kind of got to the point where I felt like the carver the carver juice wasn't worth the squeeze so to speak um, but this is definitely not the case here I think you know that everything that we've kind of gone through with this character has been worth it for this ending so yeah I'm totally satisfied with what we get which is which is great and I think really she's going to be our last main sort of villainy person I mean and obviously with Escobar we'll talk about him in a moment and kind of it's a conclusion story to the storyline from season one and kind of what we've had but you know, moving forward with, you know, slight spoilers when we've got, um, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, the Colleen. Colleen, thank you. Yeah, Colleen. Like, um, she has a moments, but, you know, it gets a bit weird. And then when we have, uh, Teddy at the end of season five, you know, again, like, what really affects me about Teddy is the fact that they had to recast the role because, um, uh, what's her name? Katie Sackhoff left the show and they wanted to keep the character in it, so they brought in, uh, Rose McGowan. I think that really affected how effective that role could have been because I think Katie Sackhoff was a better Teddy than Rose McGowan turned out to be so yeah I think she's ultimately the 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 last of the good evil people we will get not obviously taking Escobar out of the equation because we're still yet to get him sort of in his conclusion but we've already met him before um but I kind of think it just everything works well with her storyline because you know, like, yeah, I, I, I agree to a point that she would have been good to be the big bad, but I just think her character works best as kind of somebody who's under someone because it, it brings that desperation to her character. So, um, you know, so many layers to it. So great. I think just such an amazing villain. If we ever do, like, ranking the sort of the villains, you know, I mean, I'm not going to have her as high as Ava, obviously, on a personal level, or high as Escobar, I think, but, you know, to me, she might be a better villain than the Carver because, you know, I mean, that's that's a because you get more of her than kind of seeing someone in a mask saying beauty is a curse in the world, you know, not to take away from Quentin when we eventually see the reveal, but, I mean, we only kind of get one episode as Quentin uh, in the reveal. So, um, yeah, just such a great character. I think it's just a great way for her to go out, and um, Jacqueline Bissett, just such a great actress and glad that we kind of had her on this show. 
yeah, I think it was a good fit for the role. Um, it was well written, well acted. So you know, five star all round really, which is which is great. It's good when you kind of get that. And I think the stakes are appropriate as well. You know, like I think the carver just got a little bit out of control. He's murdering so many people, and you know, it's becoming like this. Mate, what would have been like a major news story around the world um, that feels too big for the show. And you know, this this kind of villain feels about the right level for a show like this. So yeah, I think on a number of levels, it, it works for me. So yeah, it's cool. And then obviously we we kind of end the scene where Christian rings back up, um, and you know, he's he's got Wilbur, and we cut back to him. Um, and uh, yeah, as we as we kind of alluded to before, Gina had him the whole time, and um, brings him back because he's a whiny little brat basically, and she's got no no bond or connection with him, which is <laughs> which is really funny, and kind of basically saying you know that um, Christian's actually the better the better parent and the and the right parent for Wilbur, which is you know it's it's kind of you didn't need it, but it's kind of nice to get the Gina blessing for Christian going forwards because I think you kind of need that. You need to be able to kind of close out the the Gina bit of the story you need him to be able to make that clean break and, and be the parent for Wilbur going forward so there's kind of no doubt because I don't think anybody, any of us wanted this to turn into kind of like a custody show you know about who's going to get Wilbur and yeah so I think it's it's nice bring her in for that episode get that closure and then move on so I think it's well done and I think the scene between the two of them as we've said many times before these two when they're acting across from each other do a really really good job so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with what we get here yeah, and we really don't get a whole lot more in her final couple of episodes. Like, she's only kind of got a brief sort of stint next season before she ultimately leaves the show. So, uh, I think kind of we've had the best of Gina. Uh, and, like, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, she's kind of here, she has a bit, and then she's kind of gone. And as much as I love Gina, I mean, realistically, what else is there to do with Gina? You know, she's she's fun, she's great for small doses. But, like, it's it's kind of like, you know, ultimately when we brought this up in Season 1 about, you know, Christian and Kimber and Christian and Gina, like... Kimber and Christian are, are layered. They're, you know, there's so much going on about them. They're similar. You know, they're different. They're kind of there and thereabouts with everything to it. But, um, you know, when it comes to, you know, Gina, like, she's there kind of for the asshole lot jibes and she had the baby and then kind of, you know, I think you're right. Like, she's just there to give this blessing to Christian, which is a nice, you know, scene the way she kind of says, like, you know, you've got the parenting gene. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting way to sort of bring her in briefly. But, I mean, again, at the same time, I think you needed her there. Like, we would be questioning if Wilbur comes back and we never saw Gina again. We're like, well, where's Gina? So, you know, we, we're glad we sort of at least got this. But, um, you know, we'll talk about kind of her demise next season uh, when she leaves the show, uh, whether or not it's a good or a bad way of her leaving the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always going to be a, a Gina fan whenever she's on the show, no matter what. Yeah, I think I think your reaction there tells me exactly what you think of, of her demise, but as you say, we, we will get yeah. there. Um, and then we kind of cut back to the, the staff room at, at the clinic and find out that you know, Christian's kind of spilling all the information to Sean about James and the mess that she she made and they had to clean it up and you know, Sean's really unhappy about the whole thing and you know, Michelle's organising the funeral and off she goes and then we get this really kind of awesome scene between these two guys and it kind of encapsulates that what's been going on for Sean and kind of, you know, the last two to three episodes of, you know, he's really struggling um, to kind of accept Christian's happiness because he's so unhappy. And um, it, it's a really great scene between the two of them. You kind of iron out all the problems. Um, and, you know, Sean wants to be brought out as, as kind of the 
the, the takeaway from this point, um, which is going to drive us into the final episode of, of this season. Um, one of the things I really noticed about this particular scene is there's lots of close-ups of the two guys' hands. I don't know if you if you picked up on that. Um, and I don't know if we're going back to the kind of slightly homoerotic thing, but um, it's like these, you know, quite a few times it, it closes in on their hands and it's like they're almost about to kind of touch hands and then they don't and um, it kind of moves away again. And then right at the very end, kind of, Sean kind of like, you know, put lasers hands on on Christian's wrists, basically, um, and uh, yeah, I think there's, there's something behind that as to as to why they've done that. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure you enjoyed this as much as I did. Ah, oh, it's a brilliant scene. I kind of I think I mentioned last episode about how you know we kind of get a good one this episode with it, and um, you know, again, it just ultimately is going to be this payoff for what's going to lead into season five. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, again, kind of Christian sort of alluded to it. It's like, oh, this isn't the first time you've done this. You know, you've wanted to leave how many times and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And legitimately, I think, you know, we complain, well, at least I complain probably more so about Sean and Julia, will they, won't they, oh, they're back together and that. And probably if you analyze it, Sean's wanted to quit more times than, uh, you know, Julia and Sean kind of break up and get back together again. But there's just, there's just the way this kind of leads to where, you know, it's ultimately leading to what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, and I, I didn't notice about the hands thing. That's something that I'll have to watch for next time, or maybe you're just more into these uh, subtle homoerotic scenes than I am. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's a nice little scene. I kind of like that sort of slow mo. They sort of sort of have a Sean as he's walking away from uh, you know Christian. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of you mentioned it's obviously setting us up quite well into the the finale next week. Yeah, and I think that's cool too. I did. I forgot to mention that. But yeah, the kind of the slow mo walk away is is really good. I do. I do think that's great. And um, part of me really wishes that we had ended on this scene, but of course we can't because we have to have the one final scene here, which is you know Michelle going out to her car and you know sits in her car, and turns around, and who's sitting in the the passenger seat? The desk bar. And um, so that's obviously going to be another little thing that, well, not little at all, a big deal that we're going to go into the finale trying to um, to figure out. Um, but yeah, it's it's great, and you know I do love the whole Escobar look with the you know the shiny burnt up face that's been reconstructed. I think it looks really good. Um, yeah, I think it's um, it, it's great. It's that last little thread that you need as we we head into the finale of this season. And this is just what I love so much about this season, kind of so much as I've alluded to, and I think I, you know, mentioned it back in season one, just the way it's kind of just bookended season one to four so beautifully that, you know, you go back to that, I think it's the finales in another season one where we kind of just get that subtle little reference to, you know, when they're taking the, the cocaine out of that woman's breast. I was like, oh, well, here, take a kidney, you know, like, oh, I, I hear there's so much money in this. So, you know, that's been like, what, three, four years has passed since then, and obviously now he's become a kingpin in this industry because he can't do the drugs anymore. So I just think it's so believable the way this works. I'm like, okay, he's been in prison, but, you know, we know someone like Escobar's still going to have his, you know, people outside doing things like this. So this is where I, I really, really like the fact that, um, you know, James's character had a big boss, and that big boss is freaking Escobar. And, like, at what point... Like, I remember watching this for the first time. I didn't see it coming at all. Like, I know we kind of had that little return of Escobar halfway through, and that kind of, you know, was a good sort of, you know, foreshadowing to him coming back uh, to kind of have him on the out and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, to me, it was a big twist. It was such a shock. I'm like, oh, my God, Escobar. Like, okay, that makes so much sense. And I think kind of in watching this in close proximity and when you rewatch it, like, it's it's not doesn't feel like a desperate cash grab that they've just gone and brought him back for the sake of it. Like, oh, let's throw that into it. You know, let's do this. Let's do that. You know, just to kind of make up for this. You know, it's it's not like a, you know, and spoiler here if you haven't seen your James Bond movies or you don't, you know, whatever, but it's not like a, a specter where it's kind of like, you know, oh, Blofeld was behind everything 
thing in all the Daniel Craig films, you know what I mean? And you're kind of like, really? Was he? Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if that makes sense. This makes sense to me. So, uh, I just love it. And I just love that bit when he's in the car. And like, as you said, the makeup effects look great and just everything about it. And it just, it's like, holy fuck, I want to watch next week now. It's just, it's just so good the way they kind of end it. And, you know, you think everything's about to be happy here for Michelle. Everything's great. Finally, Bert's gone. James is gone. Nothing else can go wrong for her right now. Here's Escobar. So, yeah, it's just, it sets it up beautifully into, you know, what I, I think I've said before, it's, it's an underrated finale of Nip Tuck. It's not the best, but, uh, there's, there's, yeah, I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, I know, but, um, you know, I'll talk, maybe I'll talk about it in a second when you ask me about it. Shut up, Ben. <laughs> well, I think, I think we can probably then just go straight into our, our rankings, our ratings for this, this episode. So I'm quite interested to see where you land with this. I think I know where we're going, but, um, you know, let, let's, let, yeah, lay it on me, Ben. Is it a, a buy a ring tour or a bin? Oh, I'm buying it. Uh, <laughs> no pressure next week on, uh, whether or not I'll have a perfectly yeah. green season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that, again, it's not ultimately the greatest episode. I mean, I've got this overall, if I look at my list here quickly, uh, I have put it, I don't know, I apparently haven't ranked it. Um, I have put it somewhere. Um, but I, I think that, you know, it's, as I said, it's, it's a very complete episode of this show. You know, it's, it's very, you feel like this is just nip tuck. It's, there's so many elements of this show that sells this as a, as a nip tuck episode. So, uh, and just, as I said, the, the, the cliffhanger, the way it kind of ends, just like everything alongside that. So, yeah, I mean, it's a buy for me. It's, you know, I, I really thought I did rank it, and I, for some reason, can't find it here on my list. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll, no, I have seen it. I just haven't color-coded it correctly. I've got it 23rd overall out of uh, 58 episodes, so uh, just under the halfway point, I've got this one ranked. So there you go. Yeah, I think, for me, it was interesting, because I think, kind of, Going into it, so at about, at about the kind of um, you know thirty minute mark of this episode, it was a it was a solid read. You know, it was a good episode. Um, you know, it didn't didn't kind of grab me enough to really make it a buy. And then that scene with Michelle and James happened, and um, it, it immediately swings over into being a buy. So that's where it's going to land for me, um, because I think that you know that scene is just so important, um, but it's also so well done. You wouldn't want to miss this episode, um, but you know because that stuff is is so worth seeing. Um, and all the other stuff around it is is certainly good enough to support a buy. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it, it's a ends up being a fairly easy buy for me in the end. So um, where would I rank this overall? Yeah, I think I think largely it's apart from that scene. There's not a lot that kind of jumps out as being amazing, but there's also nothing that you're like, oh god, I hate that bit. So yeah, I mean it, it's it, particularly not memorable apart from the one big scene in it, but. Um, certainly enough there for an easy buy for me. Uh, good, yes. So you've, you're only, there's only two that you haven't bought this season. So, uh, you know, uh, you could at least come out of this and possibly be like, well, at least I didn't bin any episodes this season. So, um, you know, there's, there's that to look forward to. Yeah, and I, you know, like, uh, if we are going to then go and look ahead to the finale, then I, I don't think there's going to be a bin there. I mean, we could be wrong. I, I don't want to, um, preempt too much of that conversation, but, I think it is, as you say, a bit underrated. There's some some good stuff there, um, and yeah, to me, it's it's a real kind of closing chapter as well because um, yeah, obviously some big endings in, in that one as well. So um, yeah, I I, I think we're going to really enjoy talking about next week as well. I think what see this episode does really well is that it almost like they're moving to LA. It basically reboots the show, and I think kind of it works for. 
a portion of the fifth season, then that's ultimately when it goes downhill. So I know I've kind of said a few times that I would have been satisfied with the show ending at season four. Um, and, you know, I still probably stand by that. There are some fun stuff to look forward to, but it's never going to be as complete as we are right now. And I think kind of what this finale does is just... It, it leads to that, and it does, like, it ties up so many good loose ends. There's two scenes in it that really stand out to me. There's one that I used to absolutely hate. I'm like, what the fuck is this scene? Like, it's kind of like a lip-syncing scene, which I'm like, what the hell is that? But just, every time I watch it, I just love it. I love it. I don't know why I love it. It shouldn't be something I like. It just almost doesn't fit, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your opinions of that scene. But it's just, it's just something effective about it that kind of works. And I love the closing scene of the episode as well, which kind of leads into season five. So, um, and I think kind of there's, it's interesting and we'll talk about it, the fact that, you know, this was the last episode of Nip Tuck for nearly a year. Um, because, you know, when it came to season five, there was basically a 12 month wait until they even got to that. So there was such a lead up and all this sort of stuff that was happening to it. So, uh, and there's lots of things around season five that we need to discuss in regards to the writer's strike, uh, whether or not we're going to, you know, classify it as part one and part two. I just, I look at it as one whole bloody season. I don't, I get why they do it as part one and part two, but ultimately now I think it just should be considered one season, even though there is a dip in quality in that second part. Um, but yeah, I think that I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to kind of, also moving towards the ultimate end of Nip Tucker that I'm not looking forward to stop talking about this show, but I think kind of moving forward when we get out of season four, a season that, you know, I'm glad we're going to come out of this defending heavily, um, that we're really going to start to have to look at some interesting qualities about this show, which I'm sure we can preview a little bit more in our season four uh, recap. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm excited for next week. Yeah, I think as well, like if you knew somebody like, oh, and they said, oh, yeah, and I used to watch Nip Tuck. I watched that kind of a thing, and then I kind of stopped. You know, you'd really encourage them to go and watch season four and say, like, that's kind of like, you know, you don't have to go and watch the end of it. But if you watch the end of season four, you're going to get the real, you know, that. It, it is an ending. Like, you could just stop there if you wanted to. And I think that's what's quite good about it. It kind of wraps up. You know, there's not a lot of threads that are left dangling after that, um, potentially just the Matt and Kimber stuff. But even that is not really a big deal. Like, you don't need to know what happens next in that story. So... Yeah, I do think it is. It's kind of like a pseudo ending, isn't it? It's like it's the first ending, um, and then the real diehard fans stay on for season five and six. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to be interesting to talk about it in those terms. So, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to having that conversation next week and, and then wrapping up the season after that. It'll be fun, um, and then getting into season five. So, but um, we, you know, we've got a few formalities before we get there. You know, we've, we've got a um, do this finale looking forward to that discussion um, and we will be back with that next week but uh, until then uh, make sure you uh, hit us up on, on Facebook and Twitter and, and um, that uh, you give us a rating on iTunes is always helpful we'd uh, really appreciate your feedback um, but yeah I mean until next time um, I have been Nick and um, now get your hand out of my ass. My name is Ben, and there's plenty of boobs to go around. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.